for that shout out. You're the real one. So how are you guys doing? Y'all doing all right? Yeah? You guys are super hyped and energetic. I am hoping to feed off of that and use that and steal that from your soul. So welcome to Chi Alpha. We're super excited to uh, to see you here tonight. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you got to make it. Um, how many of you guys went home for the weekend? Oh, way less than I thought. Way less. This literally, I have to like skip 15 paragraphs right now. I'm just kidding. So if you did go home, if not, I guarantee you had a phone call with your your mom probably or something. And and how many of you guys heard this? So how's school going? Yeah, ooh, right? That's weird. Don't worry about it. It's 7 p.m. No one wants to talk about that or about disappointing their parents this early in the semester. Let's be honest, right? We can give it a few more few more weeks before we break that to them. Yeah, I dropped that class, but uh, <laughs> tell them the next semester so there's nothing that they can make you do, right? Yeah, yeah, end of the year problems. Let's, let's blame it all on COVID, right? So... Awesome. It seems I'm really glad you guys are excited and pumped tonight. Um, I would advise you to not be at all. Um, it's me, and t- tonight's going to be awkward and confusing. But, but I'm going to try my best. I'm going to try my best to ruin some child here, uh, childhoods tonight. So um, we have this. Uh, not that slide, but we'll get there. Good job, Ryan. So basically, I want to take your enthusiasm and throw it in the garbage disposal because. Like, okay, how many of you guys grew up with, like, parents who just stretched the truth just a little bit too much on some things, right? Like, you're just like, "Eh, I don't really know about that one, right? But maybe in a way that, like, maybe, maybe you didn't quite get it at that moment, you know? Like, it messed with you later on, like, maybe through high school or something, or, you know, maybe, um, I don't know, maybe sometime this week. You know, like, have, how many of you guys, I feel like I'm not the only one, right? Like, you've, you've sat with a group of people, right? And you've, like, sit there, and everyone's, like, smiling and laughing and nodding their head. And they're like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And they're, like, talking about stuff. And you're like, yeah, yeah. And you're like, I literally had no idea that that was fake. And like, I'm literally, I'm, I'm such an idiot. Yeah. And you, like, keep smiling. You go along with it. And you go home, and you call your mom or something. But sometimes you can feel like a, a huge idiot or something. And you're just like, dude, my parents totally lied to me about everything. Either that or they didn't know anything. But, like, for, okay, this is, this is going to be great. I love this. So there was a time, right, when all of us were super young and cute and adorable and naive, mostly innocent, uh, easily influenced, spoiled little brats, right? Like, where at any given time, time a, a grown human being of the fifth grade and up could come up to us and tell us literally anything, and we just straight up believe them, Right? Like, you're like, yeah, 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 they're smart, they're an adult. Like, you, ha- you feel like you have to figure it out, right? So, get this. So, when I was like, I, I can't remember for sure. I, I, I'm too uh, scatterbrained to remember. But I was like probably six years old, I think. Maybe seven, because I can remember this. So, I was told by a few adults, right? Like, that if I stared into the microwave while my beautiful ramen noodle styrofoam cup spins in this hypnotic circle, like, that that... If, if I were to stare at my food cooking, I would literally lo- not only lose my eyesight, I would also get cancer. Yeah, I know, right? That's a tough one. Like, who tells a kid that, right? Like, to this day, I swear, like, it's like saying Bloody Mary into the microwave. I'm like, my food's cooking, and I can't even look at the time. It's, an, it's horrible. But the worst part about this is that, like, we just, we're not smart, 
right? We're not. Like, I don't know. I hate to break it to you. Sorry if I was the first one to tell you that, but, but we're not. Like, we sit there, and we're like, yeah, we try to make sense of it, right? Like, we're like, like, you know, scientifically or something, as if we know anything, but little cute Andrew, you know, yay big, was just standing there like, yeah, yeah, okay, this makes sense. You know, the microwave has frequencies or something, and, and those can kind of like bounce around in there, and those little black dots on that screen thing help shield you from like the exposure of like gamma radiation, and you know, I'm sitting there like thinking I'm like dealing with something like actually deadly, like it's like nuclear, like, I don't know, but you like, you feel it, and then you like start to believe these things, right? And you're like, wow, that microwave literally can suck my soul. Like it just, it's like a dementor. It's like it'll, it'll take me away to my sweet escape. So, and you, you know, like I just, <laughs> now we liked that one. So maybe, maybe some of you, you, it's not that dramatic, right? Like you're not like deeply afraid of microwaves. Um, but maybe like something on this list, hate to break it to you, but we'll go through it. Here's some of the most common lies parents have told their children. Reading in the dark will ruin your eyes. It will, because you can't see in the dark. Swallowing gum, otherwise known as rubber or plastic, it takes seven years to digest. Who came up with that number? Who knows? Someone tested that. So cracking your knuckles, it causes arthritis. Yeah, sure. I know some of you guys literally, you're weird. Some of you guys are like, while I'm saying that, that's so weird. If you crossed your eyes, they will get stuck that way. Yeah, for me, it was my parents were like, yeah, smack you in the back of your head. And it's like, that's how you get it unstuck. Um, if you swallow watermelon seeds, then you will grow one in your stomach. This is what I thought pregnancy was, guys. Like, I was like, <laughs> it's like some idiot over there doesn't know how to eat a watermelon. <laughs> like, it's horrible. Or chocolate milk. You know, it's chocolate milk. Yeah, it comes from brown cows. Makes, dude, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and then in the back of your head, you always wondered about strawberry milk. You're like, dude, I, I, I can't tell you that one. So I've never seen a pink cow before. Um, or Here we go. I'm going to ruin some childhoods. Santa is real. He definitely, definitely is real. Well, yeah, we'll just go push through that one, and we'll deal with that in December. So your family pet that's been gone for about 13 years or so, right? Totally on a farm somewhere up north or Midwest or somewhere that's not San Angelo, just living happily ever after, sticker-free yard. You know how it goes. Or where babies come from, like that big bird with the giant head, that Storkosaurus thing. Yeah, like, you, like you, my favorite which contradicts certain things that Chris said last week, but kind of not at the same time. You are the most talented, you are the most talented kid in the world. Let that one just, <laughs> I'm so sorry. So this, this last one was legitimately number 10 on the list. I was like just laughing so hard when I read this. I, I, all the other ones, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to the last one. I literally was like, well, I'm just going to close this. The list was 20, but let's just say it was 10. And so, so reading this, like, you know, I can definitely tell that some of you guys, um, I don't know, like, can relate to some of this, right? Like, you've heard some of these things before. And um, so reading it can, like, definitely, you can definitely tell that there's some things that just started to Make us question things in life, right? Sometime within elementary school, going towards middle school, thinking we're growing up and that the rest of high school will be like high school musical. We start to believe certain things, right? And so, um, 
And some of you guys can't wait to be parents, right? Like, dude, I can legit tell them anything. Like, I can make up anything, whatever I want for my own amusement. Easy, so cool, so cool. I am so excited. So my wife, her boss, taught her son for some odd reason out of every word in the world that the way you properly say the word cucumber is cucumber. <laughs> cucumber. <laughs> like, imagine him at like 15 years old going to Olive Garden or something or I don't know, wherever a salad has cucumbers and saying that to a waiter. That'll be awkward. <laughs> so... These are, these are silly examples, right? This is, this is, you know, us making jokes about it, and we're laughing about these things that we grew up with. And, but like I said, this can kind of like twist up some views a little bit, at least get some things going and started like to question people, right? Like how, how legit is that thing that they just said? We start to not believe anyone. Like, and then we get to the point where we realize once we get a little older that that this can actually kind of hurt people sometimes, right? Like, seeing certain kind of things in certain kind of ways. It goes from funny little lies to like, whoa, I think I, I, think I offended that person. Or I, I really think I hurt their feelings, right? And so there's something there that, there's some bridge right there that we just, just changed, right? Like, from our views to how we treat people. And it starts off small, right? But... Uh, these, these untrustworthy remarks, these, these views on people uh, begin to carry some weight, right? Like we begin to feel these, these weird things called emotions. You guys know what that is? It's fun. It's fun. It's a roller coaster. So we go through this, this super fun, totally not awkward stage of life called puberty, Super fun. Totally a roller coaster. Super fun, right? And so we, we start realizing, like, whoa, we hurt people, but we, we have feelings too, you know? And then, and then it goes from us to, like, understanding, you know, that we hurt people and we have feelings to, like, oh, now we have trust issues. Now we have this thing called gossip. You know, what's that? Like, drama? What's drama? And then, and then worse, we get to this thing called broken friendships, right? And I feel like there's a good number of us in this room that understand what that means, right? So we as Chi Alpha, we're doing this thing. We're doing this series this semester, right? It's, it's going through uh, what scripture shows us about God's character, right? Uh, we're we're uh, looking at, like last week, we looked at friendship within the Trinity, within each other, within us, right? We looked at what friendship is, but how many of you guys, how many of us would say that the idea of friendship, it sounds nice, right? The idea of friendship. You're like, yeah, yeah, it's super, like, happy and, like, you know, like, uh, of course, that sounds awesome. But, but the process to make a good friend, right, a good friend just takes a little bit too much. Too much, too much what? Too much risk, right? And so it's hard, and we say, we say certain things a lot, right? We say things like, like man, I just I don't trust people anymore. Like, I, I don't know what it is, but they, they let me down, right? Or that you can never trust people because they always let you down. That's how I was like my mentality growing up. I was like, I'm just never going to talk to anyone. I'm never going to trust anyone. I got hurt once, you know, on the playground, and that was it. Like, after that, I just shallow forever. You know, like, it's just like it, it can make us hard, right? And so... We just, you know, and at that time, it's just a fear and a misunderstanding, right? But we're obviously going somewhere with this tonight. But um, what if I told you 
What if I told you that you could have a friend like this, right? Like that could really embody these things, like these things called loyalty or compassion, right? Or, or being slow to anger or faithfulness. Would you be interested, right? I feel like a lot of us are, we're seeking that and we don't even know it, right? Tonight, we're going to talk about this word faithfulness. We're going to look at what this word means because it requires one of the hardest things for us to do and for us to give, and that's trust. So if you've ever tried to describe what God is like to anyone or even process it through yourself, right, it is, some would say, very difficult, right? Like all these like divine characteristics, these things that are just like out there and you're like, oh yeah, this is like just, it's too complicated for us, right? And, and it's hard for us to put to words, but there's some people in the Bible, there's, there's this area of the Bible that we have, the Old Testament, where these people get to write, and they, they wrote in the Bible the, how uh, consistently God's character was, was portrayed through his people, right? To his people and, and from his people. We get this in Exodus uh, about God's character, that he, has, he was compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. And so faithfulness in the Bible, it can be, it can be um, I guess, closely understood as, as truth, right? That's like a translation of faithfulness. It's truth, right? Or, or being trustworthy. It refers to what you would think as like, not so much as like a correct idea, right? Or like a correct concept. But it, it also refers to stability and reliability, which is something more grounded. Like, for an example, we get this guy named Moses, and he's holding his hands up, you know, like just for hours, and his friends, like, come and pull a rock behind him so he can sit on, and, like, they help him, and they support his hands while he's, like, lifting his hands to the Lord, and, and, and they help his hands to remain steady or to remain faithful, right? So it's a super cool image that we have. Like, does that make sense? Like, his hands are true. And so... And this is where we get the word amen, too, right? Like, that is true. And so, trustworthiness, right? Like, when faithfulness is used in people, like in us. I don't know why I hit that so high. It's just Michael Jackson, that. So, when it's uh, used for people, it's describing reliability or, like, a stable character, right? When, when we're talking about faithfulness in people, we're talking about reliability and a stable character, Another way to put that is he is who he says he is, right? And so this is where we get the word trustworthiness. And so like another example with Moses, like he appoints these leaders, right? Like he appoints his friends and these leaders and he calls them people of faithfulness, people who are, are true and, and who, who uh, he would be able to call trustworthy, right? Does that make sense? And so... And what he means by that is that they were true to his they were true to their character. Like he didn't have to worry about his friends taking bribes from other people or or telling people or leaving or or causing um, just drama or gossip. And he, he he was able to trust his friends and these people that he appointed as leaders. 
And so to say that God is full of faithfulness, right? Like we're looking at the characteristic of God, right? Like to see what that means. This doesn't just mean that God tells the truth, right? Or that he stands for truth, which he does. But what it means is that God is reliable and God is trustworthy. And so this is why Moses calls God like a rock. He says that like he's faithful, just, upright, and trusting. Like Moses is basically saying that, that yeah, like I can trust God to be consistent with his own character. Does that make sense? So the, the other way the Bible uses the word faithfulness is like as a verb, as an action, right? So we have something like the action of faithfulness is to, uh, to consider someone to be trustworthy. Like we said, to trust someone, which is something we all totally do 100% well. But how does this apply to God? And so in the Old Testament, we get this super, super old guy, old as dirt guy named Abraham. Um, he's kind of like the first person that we meet in the Bible to consider God to be trustworthy, Right? And um, you know, God makes him a promise. Make him and his wife Sarah a promise that you know, one day he will, they will be provided a family, and they will be uh, provided like a family that all nations will experience God personally uh, and God's blessings. And so, but Abraham and Sarah, they're they're just so old. Like I said, old as dirt. They're just so old that like they get challenged, and Abraham is challenged on. Um, putting faith, so we're looking at the action verb of faithfulness. He's challenged to put faith towards God. Does that make sense? So like, basically, that he considers God to be trustworthy and not just trustworthy within his characters, but to the promises and to the relationship that they share together. So it's more personal, way more personal than just like, God says things and they will happen to someone else, right? Like it's, it's definitely way more personal than that. And so for generations, you know, Abraham, he, he becomes to, uh, him and his wife be, uh, are able to bear a child and, and um, then generations are formed from this family and they become this nation called Israel, right? And... Um, you know, and they go into this, like, faithful relationship with God as a people. And so th- th- it's a super cool image. We're not going to stay long in Israel. Um, but when God leads them out of slavery, slavery uh, from Egypt, Israel puts their trust, they put their faith in God. But when they get to this land, like, once, oh, you know, once they get to the land that was promised to them, they're like, whoa, God, like, Come on, bro. What is this, San Angelo? Like, we don't want to be here. This is scary. This is ugly. Like, what kind of place is this? Like, this is giant people around, scary. And so they dip, right? And so then we get this guy named David, right? And there's so much more to this, guys. But, but David is like that one person, right, who, who actually trusts God in the face of these giants, in the face of this, like, horrible place, right? And, um, and David, you know, he says, you come with a sword, and a spear, but I come with the name of God of Israel. David consistently relies on God. In fact, it says that David walked in faithfulness with God. So David considered God to be faithful, and so he responds with faithfulness. This is why God promises to raise up a descendant of David, right, whose, whose kingdom will endure forever. And in Hebrew, you know, we have this word like stability, right, for these people, for, for God's people. But 
And then we find out that this kingdom, this kingdom became the source of trust and stability, and it will be forever, but, but the kingdom collapses, and the Israelites, they find themselves with no home again, right? And without a king. And, and this is where it gets good. Then, and then they cry out, Oh God, where is your loyal love that you swore to David in your faithfulness? And this is where scripture gets a lot more relatable, I, I feel like, because we can start and we can begin to understand, like, yeah, like, okay, yeah, reading all about all this historical stuff, these definitions of these words, like, it doesn't really hit the heart, right? But whenever we're sitting here and we're like, oh, God, where's your loyal love? Where's this faithfulness that you, you've promised and you've given to everyone else, or to David, or to these other people? And when we read our Bible, Something that we consistently see is people cry out for God's faithfulness as if, as if he abandons them, right? And so they, they, in their cry, it sounds like they're like, dude, we, we don't know where you are. Where are you? You're not here. It's, it's a sense of abandonment. They are accusing God in abandoning his promises to Abraham and to David and to them. They are really asking, is God really trustworthy? Is he faithful after all? Or is he, for us, like, is he like these lies and these things people tell us, right? Like our, our parents, is he, you know, as silly as this might be, but like we've been told lies before. We question trustworthiness. We question truth. We, tr- we question so many things. Is God really trustworthy? Is he, is he faithful after all? Or is he like all these other empty things? These things that we so easily put faith in and believe in and we trusted in, and then they let us down. But what if this time it's actually different? What if this time it's actually true? What if this time it is faithful, it is trustworthy? We know that faithfulness of God isn't just some story made up by our parents. We can actually see this in the Son of God, and his name is Jesus. This is where we get to the New Testament. This is where we get to meet Jesus. We hear all these promises. We, we see all of these, these things that in the Old Testament gives us about this person, and we're like, dude, where's this guy at? We've never, we've never met anyone like him. And will we ever meet this guy? And so Jesus was the, what Scripture will say, is like the outpour of God's divine character. Right? Like all of these characteristics that Old Testament shows us that God is like, is poured out and embodied by Jesus. Right? And so he was the embodiment. Jesus was faithful. He was so faithful to his character, and he was so consistent to his character that even the religious leaders at the time were like, they walked away from him. You know, like they were just like, because, because he forgived and he dined and he, with like tax collectors and talked with prostitutes. And they were like, dude, you know, what are you doing? Right? Like he, he was, he cared and he was like the perfect embodiment of these things. Jesus' character was stable, was trustworthy and reliable. Not only to himself, I don't think he had a need for that, but towards those around him. Because they had a need for it. And we are capable of being a part of this divine characteristic of God. 
And that's the beauty of this all. I think it's awesome. There's this thing, there's this piece of scripture in Genesis, right? Very beginning of everything. And it talks about the image of God being made in, in the likeness of Christ, in the likeness of God, right? We are created in his image. Not just me, but, but you, right? And all of us, the, the people on your left and your right, we're created in the image of God. And since God is faithful, Jesus is faithful. And since Jesus is faithful, then that means that we are capable of being faithful too. Because we are created in his likeness. So we are capable of being faithful to God as he is to us. Alongside being faithful to those around us the way that God is faithful to them. Does that make sense? So it kind of like, it goes up and down, us and God. And then also side to side, like us being able to be faithful with each other. So we have this super crazy resemblance with Jesus. Go and read about it in the New Testament. It's incredible. But we get, we, it's a lot more personable and relatable than like you would think, right? Like Jesus wasn't just like, he didn't just have like everything super easy where he's like his character was never challenged or, you know, was it really hard for him? Or, like he had his own disciples, right? Like what we would say is like, it's almost like a small group. It's like our friends, right? His own disciples, like Peter, who literally, like, denied his friendship with Christ. And, like, I can't imagine. We know what betrayal feels like, right? We look at Judas, right? Literally, just for some spare change, like, just gives up Jesus. And, you know, like, just it's, I, I feel like this resembles some, some things that we've experienced in life. Betrayal. You know, like broken friendships and, and, and just it. His character is a lot, we're a lot more alike than you would think, right? So this resemblance allows us to see the faithfulness of Jesus, right? His character was the same towards all his followers and the tax collectors and prostitutes, right? Like it was the most realistic and relatable representation of Christ's faithfulness, so, back to uh, trusting people, right? That's super fun. So, trusting people, it's scary, it's risky, right? Right? It's super fun. Like, something I feel like there's, like, pride building up. Like, in some people, like, you don't tell me who to trust, who to not trust. I trust who I want. But it's tough, right? Because we don't know who is actually faithful. We don't know what this faithfulness looks like. And, you know, like I said earlier, I think only a few of us are perfect in here. But... Like, honestly, something in us, like as silly as it is, something in us, something in you, really wants to believe it, though. And not this sense of, like, just a perfect being, like, you know, in a prideful way and, like, lack of humility, but, but being able to believe that, that what you're looking for is actually out there. What you're looking for in friendships is actually out there. Some of you guys are looking for the characteristics of God, and you don't even know it. You're literally trying to make friends, and you've tried to make friends your whole life, looking for these divine characteristics because of this, like, this desire to know Christ so much in a personable way. Like, personally know him. And we, this, is, this is where we're at, right? I know, I know these desires in your heart. You're going to continue to search for this your whole life. And we talked about friendship last week. So, we, we don't typically get to see this in other people, but we're, we're constantly disappointed. But maybe, 
maybe we don't ever think about being this for other people, right? This is, this is where it gets challenging. Uh, I think this is where it gets difficult is sometimes it's easy to sit there, right, and to be super selfish and rude, like a rude person, by expecting the whole world to cater to your needs. And, and, but in a harsh reality, that is exactly what we do sometimes, like, we, we really do. We expect other people to come to us and to do this for us. God to just open up the skies and the clouds and just, like, come and sit down with us and, like, just, like, yeah, give us everything we want, right? Like, and we're like, we want this from friends and we want this from people. We want this from God. But maybe we don't ever think about doing this for other people first. Some of us have never tried consistently on being this for the people around you. Sometimes faithfulness looks like this thing that we say, unselfishly choosing the highest good for those around you. So in order for us to find this, this thing, right, that we're so desperately searching for and seeking for in life, this, this impossible imaginary faithfulness in friends or with God, in order for us to find this, the challenge is to be this for others. In your small groups, you could be like Jesus. You can. To your parents, that's the hard one. To your parents, you can respond to them with, with the character of God. To the people at work that you don't like. Oh, to those annoying people in class that sit behind you. Yeah, it gets hard. It gets hard, but it's fun. <laughs> everything's fine. But it's, 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 there's a lot of beauty to it that makes everything worth it, for sure. To be able to see you and your friends and, and you and your relationship with God to grow in faithfulness, right? Like to grow and to, to grow in consistency with the character and likeness of Jesus is one of the greatest things you could ever experience in your life, especially with other people. So this is what small group could look like. This is what your friendships can look like, right? In class, at work. Back at home, well, you know, whatever it is, because you don't have to feel like you're just, you just have to be different everywhere you go. I know sometimes it feels that way, right? But just like the people of God sought out this faithfulness from God, we had those who shared in this faithfulness back towards God. And those are the people, those are the people who ended up being the ones who got to actually experience this friendship with the Lord and with those around them. Does that make sense? Not just like taking it from God, not just expecting and wanting these things from God or from the people around us, but to consistently give faithfulness back to the world, to the, to the broken classes that you have, to the broken workplace you have, and towards your relationship with Christ too. It's giving it back. And so... The band can go ahead and come back up. I think we finished really quick. My arm's asleep. I'll use my other arm. Gosh. The band can come back up, by the way. Jonathan, you want to play the drums now and just switch it? <laughs> so as we look throughout, like, the obstacles we're going to face, right? Like, you know, life's not technically a walk in the park. Sometimes life can get really tough and hard, right? We go through these things. We go through these, these seasons, these obstacles, these, these, uh, these conflicts, right? But it's a messed up world, and we're invited 
to see this super awesome thing, right? We're invited to look upon the same God that these people in the Bible, Abraham and Israel and, and David, like these, these people and these nations, right? We're invited to look at the same God. We're invited to seek faithfulness through God and the friends around us too. So just to close for tonight, I'm, I'm not sure if what, we're, what it's going to look like, but I'm a super big believer in that this begins with your relationship with Christ. This begins with your relationship with God first. You can't build this idea of God through just only the people around you, through the, through the people that you would consider are just like, they got it, they understand it. I'll just learn who God is through them, but to, for you to actually experience it, and it's, it's an awesome, amazing thing, right? Some of the, the greatest people on earth, right? Like, we're like, it's crazy to think that none of us are even perfect enough to resemble, like, Jesus. But that's something that we seek and we, and we seek after. Because we love those around us and we love to be in communion with the Lord. And we love to be faithful back towards God and his people, to the things that he cares about. So, my hope and prayer tonight is that this helps us continue to define the character of God, the friendships within the Trinity and the Old Testament and all the people of God and and these things for us to be able to like start to grasp this a little bit more. And my prayer is that when you are seeking friendships, and, and go and eat after this or hang out and play soccer or whatever it is that you're going to do throughout the week that at the forefront you're seeing the image of Christ in everyone and you're, and you're seeking God and that will, that will knit your friendships together in an inconceivable way like something you've never you would have never been able to do yourself so as we go back into worship uh, let's let's pray. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and just seek God. Like just, I, I know that sounds super simple, but ask for some help to to understand His character a little bit more. Because there's so much more that we haven't seen yet, and we're not we're not there yet. But we, it's a, there's a hunger, and we can pray for this hunger, this stirring and hunger to continue to get to know Christ and get. And to love him for who he is and to believe he is who he says he is. As we will see through the rest of our sermons through the semester, this God that we talk about is is worth everything. So let's go ahead and pray. I'll pray and then we can go ahead and get started.